Welcome back to the Outkick of Bets podcast. This is our NFL Week 3 breakdown. I'm the host, Jeff Clark, and I got the homie Scott Martin here with me, a.k.a. Scotty Markets, to do his first full-time um, or full Outkick of Bets podcast. Scotty, you're subbing in for Dan Z. You got big shoes to fill, but you've been killing it through your first two episodes. Am I? Uh, wow, Jeff. Uh, week three, uh, some big shoes to fill. I'm not actually sure what size shoe Dan has. Maybe he can reveal that next week. Uh, I'm in size 12s, though, man. So coming off uh, two weeks back-to-back, two and one, on uh, the Barking Dogs kind of theory or uh, at least approach here. So, uh, hey, man, I- I'm looking to put in a 3-0 and week here one of these days. So let's try to make it uh, week three, 3-0. Three and Yeah, you're 67% on the season, 2-1 and one in both weeks, so 4-2 and two on the season. Um, we actually have one play that we'll that we agree on, which I'll we'll get to obviously when um, when we discuss that. But in plays that we agree on, we are three and zero so far this year. So, wow, that doesn't happen often with anyone in life. No, let alone us too. Well, as long as my uh, sharp reads match your sharp model, then we should still continue to be in the in the black, right? That's Everybody better better get close to us. I mean, this is the one thing you want to get close to. If we're being sharp, if something sharp, get close to us here because you're right. The picks have felt uh, they felt very icky uh, to use a word at times, but man, those are the ones that we like. We talked about Jeff the first two weeks. Those are the ones that typically work out. So the ickier they feel, the more likely they seem to uh, come to the outcome. Absolutely, and yeah. So instead of just doing a barking dog segment, we're going to bounce p- picks back and forth and. I'm assuming you're going to bring some barking dogs to the table. Um, we'll start off with Woof. my my first pick, which is an underdog. It's an underdog, home underdog, in a uh, divisional matchup. I'm taking the New York Jets plus three at home against the New England Patriots. Have you ever heard of the six-point flip rule, Scott? Six-point flip rule. Um is that something that like refers to like an ex high school girlfriend or what are we talking about? <laughs> no. So it's, it's in reference to home field advantage. So historically home field in the NFL is worth three points. So when you move, yep. when you look at a game and you, f- and you flip home field, you add six points one way or the other. So this line is saying by the Patriots being favored three in MetLife stadium that at home, New England would be favored nine. Last week, wow. the Dallas Cowboys were favored nine points over the Patriots. Is there, is there any world in your, in your math-based model or any world where the Cowboys are on the same level as the Patriots? No. However, though, last week, as we know, though, Jeff, the Cowboys did lay a stank on the Jets, and won by 20. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a weird world, man. I'll, I'll tell you, week by week, it, it's funny to – and I appreciate the call on the math because we talk about with the barking dogs and kind of looking at money flows and capital flows and line moves. It, it is important to look at kind of those, those movements and how they pan out over the course of time because things do overreact. I mean, that's really what I think a lot of the public does is overreact to the, to the spread bets. And so – no, you're right. There was really nothing there. However, it feels like one of those weird ones, though, Jeff, where you're looking at this number and saying there is no possible way I could take the Patriots in this game. And you're right, though. So far, though, from the data that I have, 
as we record the pod here, uh, I've got a lot of the public, or not a lot, but a decent amount, over 50% still on the Patriots here, though, however. Yeah, based on what I'm looking at, the betting splits that I'm looking at, it's roughly 75% of the money or the actions on the Patriots. Now, we talked about this in week one, home dogs, in or home, oh, excuse me, road favorites in division games in week one, in week one got crushed, and they historically get crushed. But that continues through the first month of the season. Um, home or road favorites in the first month of the season versus divisional foes are 8-15-1 against the spread over the last three seasons. So that extends to this game as well, obviously. And frankly, I'm completely tossing out the results of last week's games for the Jets. They were coming off a huge emotional victory on Monday Night Football at home on 9-11 where they lost their starting quarterback after the first four plays. They rallied and they won that game for both you and I, which wonderful, right? I and you were both wise enough to stay away from them last week against the Cowboys. I think you were, right? I'm not putting words in or I'm not, I don't want to speak for you. I was off the Cowboys last week too, actually, believe it or not, because of the fact that, like you said, there was this whole emotional win from the Jets and things like that. But I like your theory there because that was still that kind of public spot where it looked like the, the Cowboys were maybe going to blow that one, to be honest. But I was off the Cowboys. I wish it was on them, though, because that would have been a great spot. Well, you usually, again, what the, the segment you've been doing is barking dogs. So that could have been, that to me was like a trap spot that the, the, the sports books were laying for the, the Jets. Jets just beat the Bills. Um, defense showed up. Next week against the Cowboys, they were getting nine. Like the books were begging for Jets money, begging for it. And the Cowboys, the Cowboys effing hammered them, right? But I'm completely tossing out the results of that game. I mean, it's again, it was it was a terrible spot for the for the Jets. This game, um, they get they get equal time to prepare as the Patriots, maybe a little bit more since the Patriots played on Sunday night football. Um and these these there's just too much line movement from Aaron Rodgers to Zach Wilson. Now I agree with the market. Zach Wilson, besides maybe Justin Fields, might be the worst quarterback in the league. But the Jets have better playmakers. They have a better defense. They're their home team. And I think this is gonna be the game where the Jets defense abuses Mac Jones more than the Patriots and Belichick abuse Zach Wilson. Wow, that's a uh, sentiment right there. And I, I agree with you. So far, with, with the model and looking at some of those flows, I, I agree with you. I think the Jets look like a, a pretty solid barking home dog here, get, getting more <laughs> rabid kind of by the day here. Plus the fact, too, Jeff, that just, just looking at kind of the eye test on the Patriots and just th- figuring out what Bill Belichick and, and, and crew are going through up in, in the Boston area, Foxborough, of course. Man, it just doesn't feel like it's their year, as it hasn't been uh, since TB12 took off, certainly. But there's just a, a couple of things going on in New England that don't look right. They don't they don't smell good either. So I'm, I'm with you, man. I, I think the Jets here, pretty nice look so far as we uh, record this year. All right. What do you got? What's your first bet in your account for week three? Well, here's this week has a lot of weird, weird movements so far on lines, a lot of heavy uh, public favorites and so there, there's a lot of neat things to choose but let's just turn the the, the first slate here as far as the, the the first rung of games 
1 p.m. Eastern. One that, that, that feels like the, the public overreacting to, to something we saw Monday night. New Orleans Saints, man, plus two at Green Bay Lambeau Field. Not frozen tundra just yet, but frozen uh, for the Saints potentially with maybe a little bit cooler up in the uh, northern Midwest than it is, say, down in uh, the tropics of New Orleans, I guess, still these days on uh, late September. So, hey, we've got a, a pretty heavy public favorite um, on the Green Bay Packers at home here, getting plus, t- uh, getting minus two rather than the Saints are getting plus two. And, and just looking at the react coming off of the, the Monday night game, looking at David Carr and some of the other uh, crew there on the, on the Saints, Michael Thomas and so forth, struggling, having, having a little bit of trouble uh, getting over the, the the Panthers there, pushing on that Monday night game, which which I ended up doing, uh, having the Panthers, but just liking the dog here in the uh, in the Saints coming north, leaving that um, I don't know, man. Is, is the Superdome like a Holiday Inn these days? I don't know. Down in New Orleans, it's you know whatever it is. It's uh, it, getting outside for the Saints has always been trouble for them. Typically, going northern Midwest has been typically tough uh, over the course of the years. New coaching staff and things like that, but. I just think this is a spot for the Saints to show up and probably actually put one on the Packers here and win this game. This is the play that we agree on. Again, we're 3-0 and in plays that we agree on. I, I'm i with you, and I understand what you're saying about the Saints going to outdoors, and that's especially true for their new quarterback, Derek Carr. However, they get a little scheduling break in this one because it's probably going to be nice this weekend, right? It's, it's definitely not going to be the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. Right, it's you know the end of September, so they at least get to avoid the winter climate. Um, also, I don't think the market is reacting enough to to Green Bay's performance against the Falcons. Um, depending on where you got it, you could have won or lost money on that one. Uh, the Falcons beat the Packers last week, twenty five to twenty four. Uh, which chopped on the Circa Million contest, right? But when you look under the hood or you dig a little deeper into those into that performance, the Atlanta Falcons crushed the Green Bay Packers on the stat sheet. Like, they had almost double the time of possession, almost double the, um, almost double the yards. Um, yeah, um, Better game plan, Jeff. I mean, the game plan just looked like it was tighter. Yeah, they had 10 more first downs. In fact, on the season, the Green Bay Packers have negative 17 first downs compared to their opponents. They're not efficient. Now, Matt LaFleur is an awesome like game scripter, and he'll, and he'll he's gotten a, a few great drives out of Jordan Love in the offense. But from a drive-in, drive-out perspective, they're not very efficient. Also, I love this New Orleans Saints defense. They have been perennially top, perennially top five, and they're top five again through the first two weeks. They're an absolute dynamite defense. They crushed the Packers um, when they last met in 2021. Now, obviously, that was different teams. Jameis Winston was under center for the Saints, and Aaron Rodgers under Saint under center for the Packers, but. Dennis Allen, the current head coach of the Saints, was the defensive coordinator then. They have a lot of the same defensive personnel. Outside of Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay has the same offensive personnel. Mike Le- or Matt LaFleur is still the coach. And these two teams are similar in the trenches, which I think is going to make the difference in this game. So I'm with you on the Saints plus two. 
It's also one of my um, circa million picks, or is going to be one of my circa million picks. And another thing, another wrinkle that I'll throw in there, New Orleans got Taysom Hill involved last week, and that guy is spectacular. He is he is a difference maker, and if they keep him in the offense this week, I think they're going to tear up Green Bay's defense. Dude, dynamite. I, I believe Taysom Hill was the leading rusher uh, last week in the uh, game yep. against the Panthers, and you know, Saints are a tough team to kind of figure out because there's been some changes uh, just with respect to Carr coming in. And then, of course, on the defense, like you said, I mean, the defense is a lot stronger than I believe people think it is. And the Saints just aren't getting talked about. They're just not getting the respect, and they're kind of flying below that radar. And so you're right. I mean, with with, with just the, with Dennis Allen and, and the staff putting in Taysom Hill at times, and they're, they're, they're putting in, you know, players like uh, the, the running back, too, that was behind Taysom Hill, I guess, in yardage was – Tony Jones Jr., two touchdown runs last week. I mean, nobody really talks about him. Blake Roop, now the kicker. So I just feel like the, the Saints are one of these dogs that's going to be out there for a couple more weeks until the public finally gets on board here. And the Sharks are going to be on these guys. So this is one pick going up to Green Bay, as you mentioned, not the frozen tundra. And thank goodness it's not because I live up in the northern Midwest, roughly Chicago, Illinois, to be exact. And I'll tell you what, it's going to be a gorgeous afternoon there. And that's a gorgeous afternoon for the New Orleans Saints to pick off uh, Bryce Love a couple times, or uh, maybe take back uh, take back a couple big deep balls that the car's going to likely uh, throw on with respect to uh, getting that offense finally going and getting it uh, in the front of the public. Yeah, great. When you look at these two rosters, the Saints are actually better at pretty much every position except for offensive line. And Green Bay is dealing with cluster injuries on the offensive line. David Bakhtiari is pretty much a part-time pro. Always. Which is weird. Um, They lost one of their guards, Jenkins, last week. Aaron Jones missed practice today. And uh, frankly, this would become my best bet of the week if Aaron Jones isn't playing this game. I, I think the world of Aaron Jones. That dude is a monster. Monster. And if he's off the field, to me, that's... That could be the best player on either team with the respect to like DeMario Davis and the and the Saints. So I love the Saints here. Um and I'm glad that we see eye to eye since we're three and out thus far and agreed upon. Bingo plays. man. I said yeah, bingo man. I said Bryce Love earlier. Call him whatever you want, Jordan Love. It doesn't matter. The Saints defense is probably gonna be on top of him because if you didn't notice too, Jeff, watching the Green Bay offense over the first two couple games of the year, you're right. The 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 the, the Deference in first down uh, attainment has been crazy. The total yardage has been nuts. And Jordan Love has been getting out of trouble almost every drive. So it's about time for the Saints to put one on him, and I think it's going to happen on Sunday, man. All right. Um, Glad to see eye-to-eye with you on that one. We'll go to my uh, second, well, I guess third pick, um, since we agreed upon this one. But I'm taking the Vikings over the Chargers, your Vikings. Um, Yes. What are your thoughts on that one as a Vikings fan? Ouch. Uh, it hurts. I, I, well, I I'm taking your like Vikings. Uh, I'm betting your Vikings. You know what the weird part is? This is a, if I was running, the, I'm running the model on this one too. And it just wasn't a pick for me this week. Well, I mean, right now for the, for the pod, but it's one that I would lean Chargers so far, to be honest, because okay. I think it's just one of those bounce back spots that the public seems to think, just looking at the line movement, that they think the Vikings are going to come back and open one up at home. And, Team pretty closely so far, Jeff, and I don't think the Vikings have it this year. So far. No, that's fair. Um, 
so I think this is such a great spot for the Minnesota Vikings because they have extra time to prepare, to prepare for a terrible defense. Like the Chargers through two weeks are the worst defense in the NFL with a bullet. Like they're getting gashed. Now, week one, it was against the Miami Dolphins. Two was amazing. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, high explosive, uh, explosive, high powered offense. Last week they got gashed by 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 Ryan Tannehill. Now I'm a Ryan Tannehill like apologist. I love Mike Vrabel. You and I both hit the Titans last week, but we we backed the Titans because of the coaching edge, because of their edge in the trenches. One of the things we didn't back the Titans for was because of Ryan Tannehill, right? And no, we weren't that crazy about Ryan Tannehill yet. He crushed the Chargers. I think Justin Jefferson. Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson, all top tier players are gonna get gonna get busy this weekend against the Chargers. I also you give me your defensive coordinator Brian Flores extra time to prepare over the quote unquote defensive whiz of the Chargers, Brandon Staley, who cannot coach up defense for the Chargers, even though they have a sick roster and his players that he handpicked. You give me that extra time to prepare. I love the Vikings in this spot. They both have underperformed thus far. They have both have played equally difficult schedules. I'd actually argue the Vikings played a tougher schedule. And remember, Scott, me and you both liked the Bucks week one against the Vikings. So we both cashed that one. But if you remember, and you're being honest, and maybe if you did the looked at the box score afterwards, we got lucky. <laughs> like the Vikings outplayed the Bucks and they just peed all over their legs and puked all over themselves and gave the game away. But from an efficiency standpoint, they're a lot more efficient than the Chargers. Cousins is playing better than Justin Herbert right now. And he gashed up a Bucks and Eagles defense, both of whom I like. So I I disagree with you in the sense that. I feel as though the line is moving a little bit towards the Chargers and the public is going to be more on the Chargers. Neither one of us are really going to know until Sunday morning, but I hear what you're saying. Um, so we do have a slight disagreement there, but I love the Vikings in the hey, spot. I, I like the analysis. You're right about it being a good spot for the Vikings. That's for darn sure. If they are going to turn the season around, it's on Sunday. But the one reason, too, Jeff, that they peed down their leg to use your very beautiful imagery is because the public was on them. I mean, because hopefully you, the listener, was not on them after listening to our analysis. But the public sure as heck was on the Vikings that week one of the Bucks game. And, and we talked about it in the pod about how this was the setup for the Vikings to blow it for the public in week one. And, hey, man, I think this is another setup. I hate to say it, but this I'm such a data freak. This is another setup for the, the Vikings to blow it again in week three for the public. If they if it, the numbers stay like that way, and it looks like they are, because it just feels like the public is still so damn sanguine about the Vikings here. Again, though, man, it does depend on where you get your betting splits. Um, because I'm looking at pregame.com. They have slight action on the Chargers. I'm looking at PFF, and it's a pros versus Joes game. Cash is on the Vikings. Tickets are on the Chargers. So... We'll see what happens. It's close. I, you know it's what close. I, we'll see how it works out. You know what I think, actually? I think when the when the ball gets kicked off, we're going to have good two-way action. The, the books aren't going to really care. They're gonna. It's going to be whatever. That's what I think. 
Everybody loves a good two-way, and this is one that, look, I'm pulling for the Vikings here emotionally, but so far, man, the data that I now analyze, the data that I put together in my analysis still says slight lean to the charges here, but hey, we'll see what happens on Sunday. Fair enough. Let's go to your, um, I think, third pick or second pick, which is second? this? Yes, you're, you're already trying to take one away from me, Jeff, but we'll, we'll, we'll go with two here. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> which is... The stinkiest dog you've given out here on the Outkick Bets podcast, and now your third appearance. Please, please talk me and my listeners and do the Cardinals plus the points hosting the Cowboys. Hoping you'd say the Cardinals. Uh, dog with three legs, maybe. Uh, dog with a walker. Um, I mean, a dog that definitely has rabies and probably is at the veterinarian right now and not not able to get a, uh, a good diagnosis here because – this is one of those setups, Jeff, that is a total public dog, as we talked about, total home dog, spread opened uh, a little bit higher than it did uh, these days, as we always talk about. We, we always try to get the best of the number, and I, I put this one on right away. Didn't know that it was going to drop as such. I mean, I, I got about plus 13 on the Cardinals here, depending on where you are. Looking at, I got about plus 11.5. I got a plus 12. So it's moving some, but we've got money. Yes, go ahead. We've got, what do you got on your end, by the way? Oh, um, oh, I'll pull it up right now. I, I regardless though, are you willing to play it down to the current number, which is looking at like 12 and a half? I would do it because I still think this is one where the Cardinals step up on this one. And it's back to what we we're talking about on Dallas and how they stank one on the Jets in, in recent memory. I mean, last Sunday feels like just a few days ago because it kind of is, but it's also that game that was on CBS that the uh, the public was 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 watching very feverishly. And we had the Dallas Cowboys just running and throwing all over the New York Jets in that spot that you mentioned earlier so eloquently. So this is one of those ones that's going to trick the public into saying, oh, there's no way Dallas can't go out to Phoenix and just blow this one up on the road for the uh, for the for the Cardinals in the sense of beat them by 30. But this is one of those weird ones where the, the Cardinals come in here limping like i said very sick at the veterinarian's office or veterinarian's spot here and, and looking to to maybe get right and, and maybe save the season and so just thinking about how this is an overreaction classic for the public to be on and it's showing up in the numbers so i, I still like it at, at plus 12 and a half depending on where the line is i got it at plus 13 i think it might still go back there if it continues to go down that's even a bigger evidence to me that this is still the right side but it's just something to me that just looks like this could still be a blowout game for a while. And then you look at some backdoor cover that we've all been through over the course of our lives any 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 moment now. But this is one where I think the Cardinals could still keep it kind of close and keep it relatively close to where, hey, you kick a, a last-second field goal or you kick something that gets it down to one-possession game, and they cover the spread. Yeah, also their first-year head coach, uh, the Cardinals, was – Philadelphia's defensive coordinator for a few seasons, so maybe he's familiar with Dallas's attack. I mean, well, he definitely is, right? Um, the the public is just all over the Cowboys, like you said. Um, the preseason line, this is what I thought was interesting. The preseason line was Dallas minus seven. And now it's up to, again, 12, 12 and a half, 12 and a half, depending on where you shop. Nuts. Nuts. Overreact. Yeah. Yep. Everyone, like Kyler Murray... When they first issued this line or released this line, Kyler Murray was out. Like, there's not a lot of new information baked into this number. The 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 reason for the movement is again, the Cowboys beat the crap out of the Giants, 
who were just outmatched and 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 yeah, I already used this this phrase, but puked all over themselves. The Jets, we already explained why that was a terrible, um, terrible spot for them. But whatever, the Cowboys look great in both games. However, the Cardinals could have could easily be two and zero right now, and they've covered their first two weeks. So I don't understand why the market is moving five and a half points based on the intel that we get. So I'm with you. I think it's a sharp play. I mean, you never know. It's a you know any any given Sunday, right? Type thing. Maybe the Cardinals play them tough down to the wire, or like you said, maybe the Cardinals just go in effort mode down three scores in the fourth quarter and just get lucky and somehow sneak into the back door. So I like your analysis here. I like your model pick, and I'm with you there. Yes, and it doesn't feel great. I mean, this is one of those ones, like you said, that does does not feel like a healthy barking dog by any sense, or dog maybe even with fur. But look at the look at the Cowboys and the setup to this game, man. They they, they come to this game, yes, two and zero, and they had that forty and zero just complete blowout. I mean, it looked like they're playing a high school team week one for the, against the New York Giants that everybody saw. And then they go out in the in like we talked about, and they smashed the Jets last weekend. And so, of course, the public loves the Cowboys, and they love that trend to continue. But if you look at the Cardinals, they were at Washington, and we talked about that game briefly, I, I believe, week one, or at least maybe you touched on it. You touched on it with Dan, where that was a great setup, like you said, for the Cardinals. And then they they played the, the Commanders pretty tight, which still trying to figure out what the Commanders actually are on a team. But that was a nice uh, road show up for the Cardinals week one to lose that game against the commanders by four. And then frankly, until the giants actually realized they were in the NFL last week. And what was it? The second half of the league or second half of the game last week, they were smoking the giants too. So, and just like the Cowboys were. So until last week, about what the last, I guess, 24 minutes of the game, like you said, the, the Cardinals could have easily been at least one and one and maybe two and all things worked out differently in, in Washington. So, this feels like exactly what you said, man. An overreaction. It's a super heavy public fave. It's a home dog and one that feels like it could be dead if we go back into the veterinarian's office here or one that's walking out and they're like, hey, this thing's got a clean bill of health. We put a new prosthetic leg on it. And this this uh, team is one and two going into week four. Who knows? No, I'm I'm with you. I like your analysis there. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it one of my, my contest plays, but um, definitely wouldn't fade you in, in this spot. Um, we'll talk about my next play here, which um, is going to go in the opposite direction of what you just gave out, which is the uh, Chicago Bears at the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> uh, this isn't. This is. This is not a sharp pick. I'm taking the Chiefs. I'm going to. I'm yeah. going to lay the lumber, dude. So the Chiefs. They beat the Jaguars 17 to 9 last week and it's a game that uh, from the box score from the final score didn't look like a very impressive performance. Now, I actually teased the Jaguars up to plus 9 last week and let me tell you I was sweating it. I was sweating it because the Chiefs got a 50-yard play down inside the 10 or inside the uh, red zone against the Jaguars with like a minute and a half left, 
right? They could have easily scored. As a matter of fact, I think they got a first down and stopped on like the three-yard line and just need the ball out, giving me the teaser win, which was huge. So they left, let's just say, seven points off the board. They also lost the turnover battle um, three to one. But that defense is low-key legit. They took Calvin Ridley completely off the field. Like, they made Trevor Lawrence look like a league average quarterback and just shut down the Jaguars' offense. So, I think this defense is legit. And through two games, Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs are averaging 17.5 points per game. I'm sorry, by the end of the year, that, that number is going to be close to the 28, 30 points per game. And if there is going to be a get-right game, if there is going to be a Patrick Mahomes eruption, it's going to be against this Bears defense, which besides the Chargers might be the worst in the league. These Bears are terrible. They're going through turmoil. Um, right before we started recording, the, def- the, the their defensive coordinator stepped down. He missed last week's game. If you look at first coach to be fired, Matt Eberflus, the Chicago uh, coach, I think is second by the odds. Justin Fields, in a press conference this morning, completely threw the entire coaching staff under the bus. Um, and I, I just think, like, besides, again, besides Zach Wilson, Justin Fields might be the worst quarterback in the league, and this is going to be a get-right spot for the Chiefs. So I think the Chiefs just rain fire and hell onto the Bears this week, and and I'm looking at, like, a 25-14 just whooping. That's what I'm thinking. Weapon. Uh, I, that's at least a weapon. I mean, that could be the first quarter. I, I, I believe that the analysis is right. Sometimes, uh, as we know in the NFL, it, it depends on how, how not for long some of that, that, that stays true. But we'll see. I, I agree with you. I mean, being in Chicago, it's tough up here for Bears fans, and I absolutely love it being a Vikings fan. But I will tell you, Jeff, this is one of those spots, man, where the team sometimes brings it to the other and rallies. And the number just looks a little high for me. I, the one problem I do have, I mean, the Bears are exactly what you said. So let's move on from them. The Chiefs, though, man, it's like I'm not sure what the Jaguars are yet. So so to talk about that win last week, I, I get that, and I'm glad you got your pleaser teaser win there. But it's just like I, I, I still don't know what the Chiefs are yet. So this is a get-right game for them. I mean, that game against Detroit was really weird. Lots of drop passes, weird kind of offensive execution, just looked like a stanker. So this is the right team for, for, for the Chiefs to come in and, and, and face. I mean, the Bears walking in limping here is great and, and coughing and hacking. I mean, I'm, I'm sure if, as, this is a barking dog for me in the plays. Um, I, I, w- I didn't pick this one for the pod, but man, I mean, this is a, a team that has distemper. Uh, if you look at the bears as a barking dog. So I'm actually going to be on the bears here. I'm going to try to get more from the spread. I'm going to probably bet this one towards, towards game time, just to see if the public continues to jump on KC. But Hey man, this is one that, that they could be really, really ugly for the bears. But, uh, I got to be on them just because of who I am, I guess. I'm with you. And you and I both strive to be sharp. And it really, it makes me kind of look bad giving out a double digit favorite, right? Like it's not like a, it's not a sexy play. It's not a play that like would, would go viral. Or if I would gave it out on an outkick show, it'd be like, oh my God. Wow, what a wise take. What, what insight. Yeah, what insight. That, that's the, You're sexy in yourself. I mean, before you even make your plays. You know that, Jeff. But you're right. That, that's not going to be That's not gonna be tremendous insight. That's not going to be uh, seen in something even, you know, that, that you'll see on a, on, a, on a bulletin board somewhere on some random uh, random handicapping site. 
Yeah, no, no, no. It's not the sexiest pick, but I just feel as though it, like this is a get-right spot for from Pat Mahomes and, and the offense, and um, and they got Chris Jones back last week. They got Travis Kelsey back last week, and I've I've talked about this pick with a few of my friends, and they've made the same the similar pushbacks. We're like, we don't really, I don't know what the Chiefs are right now. My response is, they're the reigning champion. <laughs> they're the reigning champion with the best player in the world who's got probably the best the best coach. I think they're going to just crush the Bears, but it's it's not a sharp play. I'll give you that. Yes, and, and not knowing what the Chiefs are right now, to your quick point, is exactly when you want to start taking the Chiefs because when the public knows, when people know what the Chiefs are, the line value is gone. Yep. Um, all right, let's go to your next pick here. Uh, another another barking dog though. Denver Broncos going to South Beach to play the Miami Dolphins. How is your model uh, projecting this game? Heck yeah, they're going to the South Beach, man. Leaving the mountains and going down to the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, hey, you know you probably know where this is going. A lot of listeners know where this is going. It it, it feels icky. This is the ick statement. Uh, the ick spot. We're taking Denver, man. We're taking Denver. Going into Miami. Going east. It's a 1 p.m. game Eastern time, so a little bit early for those that are waking up uh, late after a late night in uh, Denver on Saturday night. But, hey, it's it's just Eastern time. No big deal. So we're taking Denver, man, plus six, it looks like, for, for most books here. Uh, there was a six and a half out, I think, when the line opened. That sense gone. So we've got uh, Miami minus six, Denver plus six here. Uh, tons of public faves all over the map, all over the landscape on Miami and should be. I mean, I, I understand that. I think that makes sense. It at least on the eye test, seems like there's no chance that Denver's going to come in and step up on this one. But this is one of those spots, AFC matchup, maybe in a different different galaxy. This was uh, a tussle for the for the reign of the AFC North, or not AFC North, AFC uh, Conference at one point. But certainly one that should have told you, I think, when it was approaching, and you look ahead at the lines and things like that preseason, this one's going to be a battle royale. I, I think this one was going to be an opportunity for, for kind of the barking dogs or those that believe in that segment or believe in the idea to kind of come in here and, and really like the Denver Broncos here. So you've got Miami with uh, a couple of questionable things uh, with respect to the, uh, the the injury report. Same for Denver, but nothing too serious. Frank Clark, a couple other folks, uh, Greg Dulcich. But th- those guys look like they're going to play. I mean, Greg Dulcich is long gone, but Clark looks like he's going to play. He's questionable as of recording this. Jalen Waddle, by the way, questionable too. So there's some things here that could happen before game time. I just think this is one of those those issues where you've got Denver that's coming in looking horrible this year and, and, and having a couple games that were, were tight but didn't look awesome in the games. And, and both those games were at home. They probably should have won one of those two games, but they didn't. They didn't pull it out. And the Dolphins, on the other hand, have just looked pretty pretty solid. They, they haven't looked unbeatable, but they like you talked about earlier in the, in the pod here, Went out to L.A. Uh, week one and blasted the Chargers pretty good. At least kept up well on the offensive side. Didn't look awesome on the defense side, but but, but won the game going away from L.A. And then we had the New England game, uh, which I actually kind of looked at New England to kind of step up in that game. And uh, Dolphins came in there and, and played pretty well as well in Foxborough. So, hey, Dolphins home opener, a chance for them to show up in South Beach and, and, and lay one on Denver. But the public has already figured that one out. So I'm on Denver as the as the public dog. Yeah, public is hammering the Dolphins. Um, no one wants to bet the Broncos. No one likes Russell Wilson. Um, but since the beginning of last year, or really just last year, 
when the Broncos were getting three and a half or more points, 4-0 against the spread. Um, so they're probably going to keep this game close. They do have some defensive personnel that matches up pretty well with the Dolphins, I think. At least Patrick Sertan is an elite cornerback. They could throw at T, uh, Tyreek Hill. We'll, we'll see if it works. Um, again, the, the, the Russell Wilson's not blowing anyone away currently, but if you, again, if you look under the hood, like he's been really accurate, he's making some pretty good plays and the Broncos aren't owing two because of him. So I like this one. I'm a little, I am burned by the Broncos because I took them last week against the commanders. They got up 21 to three, had a 96% win probability, and then just proceeded to give that game away. It was a brutal loss, but this is a so much sharper of a look. Taking the Broncos as an underdog is, as we, you know, as we're already finding out this season, is so much better than taking them as a favorite. So they're out the gate to an 0 2 start, both straight up and against the spread, and they were favorites in both. Agreed. And and, and, the, and, the, and the Miami's the, the flashy team. They're going to look great in South Beach on Sunday, the home opener. And you're right about how the difference in the offenses have looked, the difference in how the teams have played has looked with the Broncos blowing leads like it's their job, like it's like last year. And then Miami coming out and just absolutely smoking it and looking awesome on, on offense especially. I mean, Tyreek the Freak, one of my favorite uh, players in the NFL just to watch. And two has been awesome too, but two is due for a little bit of a a pullback or a little bit of a stinker too. As you mentioned, he's not been near as accurate as Russell Wilson has. You mentioned nobody likes Russell Wilson. Well, Sierra seems to still like him. Uh, but I, and, I, and who doesn't like her? But I will tell you, Russell is not getting that discussion yet, uh, Jeff, that seemingly should have probably come to him by now as how he's bounced back. So Sean Payton maybe having an effect on him so far here. And Sean Payton is an expert as, as getting the team to rally, getting the troops to get it together in this game when they're just facing the wall here. And it's going to be one of those things where maybe this is a close game throughout and, and we get, you know, the nail biter down at the end of the game here and the Broncos stay within the spread. But it's still one of those ones where, as you said, the public is not going to be anywhere near this sentiment. And so that's where I am. Yeah. I mean, getting on the same side as the books, fading the public, that's a profitable foundation for handicapping, especially in the NFL because – public moves numbers in the NFL, whereas they don't for really other sports. Um, I got you for a few more minutes, so let me bounce another pick off you. Let me get what your uh, model's uh, input is on this one. Extra time. Yes, talk to me. It's probably, you're probably not going to like it because it is a favorite, um, but I'm, I'm fading the Steelers. Their win last week, which cost me dearly, um, was the most... <laughs> was the most fraudulent win you'll ever see. They had nine first downs. They had two defensive scores. They had one 70-yard score from George Pickens. They didn't get to the Browns' 30-yard line in that game. Now, I love Cleveland's defense. The week prior, Pittsburgh also got destroyed by San Francisco's defense, Two, both of whom are top-tier defense, in my opinion. The Las Vegas Raiders, granted, are leagues below both San Francisco and and the Browns defensively. However, I'm fading what we recently saw with the Steelers, who got a fraudulent win, and the Raiders, who were playing a Bills team and in their home opener, 
West Coast to East Coast early start time. The Bills have the most continuity in the NFL besides the Chiefs. The 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 Raiders have a first year starting quarterback um, for the, for them, Jimmy Garoppolo. They were also missing Jacoby Myers last week, who balled week one against the Denver Broncos, who we just talked about. Jimmy G's completing over seventy percent of his. Um, passes. He's taken zero sacks thus far. So the offensive line for the Raiders have been playing really well. There's been cluster injuries in, um, in on Pittsburgh's defense, which include Cam Hayward, who was sent to the IR, Minka Fitzpatrick, who went to the hospital after last week's game, and another linebacker, Landon Roberts, who is questionable to play as well. So we're getting Pittsburgh who just, again, got a fraudulent win in a primetime spot on the road playing um, another, excuse me, uh, in a primetime spot versus a divisional opponent going on the road in Vegas, which I think is a tough place to visit and play because of all the distractions. And we're getting a Raiders team that just got embarrassed. Yet the line's moving towards them. I don't know what your model's saying. I'm seeing most of the money is on the Steelers. So we're getting that reverse line movement. Is 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 your betting splits? Is your model line up with that, or are you seeing pro Raider money? Jeff, be still my heart. Great analysis as usual, and I've got a lot of Raider money, man. A lot of the synopsis analysis I do still has slightly not huge to the Raiders. It, it's not overwhelmingly so. I, I'm actually kind of surprised it's not more on the Raiders right now. Um, but it's one of those things that is a tough one because talk about. I saw of a game that we're probably going to see on Sunday night. I think it's the eight the eight twenty Eastern game, and it's one of those ones where you ride. I mean, coming off the 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 game against the Browns, which by the way, I had uh, the Steelers on that one because of, again heavy public fave, and that's why they didn't. That's why the Steelers actually pulled it out. I, from what our analysis was on our end, my end here was that uh, the Browns were pretty heavy public, so we were uh, I guess not too heavy, but heavy enough, and so it seemed like that was a good spot for the Steelers. This is one they could let him down. However, I, I just still think that the Raiders, the Raiders and, and, and Steelers just feel like kind of a similar team to me. And you mentioned something funny. You said the, the Raiders are, are a hard, Las Vegas is a hard place to visit or a hard place to, to, to do a game. And you're right. I, very hard place to visit sometimes, depending on how well you do at the craps table in the sports book, of course. But, but a tough place to play. You're right. And a tough place for the, for the Steelers to come in here and try to pull this one out. And, and I'm surprised too. There, I mean, on, on the places I bet, we've got some pretty big line movement on this one as well. Um, I've got minus two, it looks like, where I would be placing this bet if I was to take the Raiders, if I was, I was the public fave, which I'm not in this one. So I'd be getting plus two on the uh, on the Steelers. So you, if you're betting this one, I think watch this line as, as it kind of goes into the night because you want to get the best of the line. I think anything that you can go, get closer to three – on the Steelers, which probably is going to happen. I got a plus two and a half, two and a couple other sites uh, for the Steelers. On the Steelers, man, I think this is still a game where everybody's expecting more of the Raiders than they're giving, and everybody's expecting less of the Steelers than they're giving. And so, therefore, this seems like a spot where uh, it continues to mature. The uh, Steelers offense maybe figures it out. Najee Harris and some of the other guys besides Pickens, like you mentioned, don't look awesome, but the Raiders don't look there either. So, it's one of those games where it could be a really, really nasty dogfight. 
to use the barking dogs uh, <laughs> reference here. So that means I'm on the Steelers, man. Plus, hopefully, plus three. And might even buy, might even buy this one up to plus three if it if it settles out at two and a half into the end of the night game here on Sunday. No, you make a good point. So officially, I'm giving this out as the Raiders minus two and a half. That's the market number that I see. Got um, it. Thanks for reminding me on that. And to be honest, I did this last week um, with a teaser middle. I had three legs of a teaser going the AM games, and then the fourth with the 49ers. I took that down to one and a half, and I hit the Rams plus seven and a half. And then Sean McVay gave me a gift um, by 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 allowing me to scoop or middle that entire bet. I'm thinking of the same type of move um, in this in this uh, on this card as well. So. Might give you guys some insight to my strategy here. I'm thinking about taking the Ravens down from seven and a half to one and a half. I'm thinking of taking the Saints up to two, up to eight, uh, from two to eight, excuse me. Um, and then I'm thinking about taking the Jets up from three or two and a half, up to eight and a half, and then taking the Steelers up to eight and a half or nine. But then hitting the hitting the Raiders on that money line for the middle. I'm gonna scoop the whole thing. I know I'm trying to thread a tight needle here because I am giving out the Raiders minus three. But I think the Raiders end up beating them. We'll call it 24-20. So sorry, um, your math slash uh, public betting model. I think is uh, is gonna lose on that one, but we'll see. <laughs> We'll see, man. But hey, I, I, I like the theory. I like the sentiment. Jeff, you talking about teasers? I can listen to that all day long. I will. Uh, I will tell you, man. I, I, this this is one of those really rough games to watch. So it's not going to feel good. It's not going to be an exciting pick for me. Uh, but it looks so far like it, it's leaning Steelers. But we'll see what happens to the lines too. That's where we could get some more information as we get into the game here. And it is one that uh, this this could be the turnaround game though for either team here. I mean, both teams are coming in one on one. It's a big game. Sunday night football, and uh, either way, I'll be watching them. Right, yeah, we talk about how there are definitely better primetime games out there, but if we fast forward to Sunday, what are we going to be doing at eight fifteen Eastern time Sunday night? Watching Steelers Raiders. Money. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Looking and, at and, and, think, and having you think about your teasers, man, and tell everybody in the world about all your your Jeff your Jeff Clark teasers. <laughs> Dude, I love teasing NFL games. Um, you do. All right, man. Where can people find you? Find me at Scotty Markets on Twitter, uh, a contributor with uh, Fox Business Network, and so uh, doing some uh, commentary on the markets, economy, and things like that. And then Twitter commentary on markets, economy, and uh, a little bit of music here and there too, man, and some sports, of course. Excellent. Well, I can't wait to talk to you next week. Hopefully, your model crushes it. Hopefully, I can bounce back after a losing week in the Circa Million contest. Make sure you show us some love. Leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Follow at Scotty Markets on Twitter for his financial music and sports betting wisdom. Until next week, peace. Peace.